Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Justin Virgin Bath Evangelista. Good to be back. Good to be back. Whew, my gosh, the busy schedule of the Filipino sexy dynamo that we know as Justin Evangelista. Huh? He's just so... He's he's a man. He's he's like my brother. He's a man of mystery. Wait, what? An international <laughs> man of mystery. Your man, is, dude. Yes, but your brother is a legit man of mystery. So so like so, in terms of like what it was used for in the movie. <laughs> he's a spy. Nope. <laughs> I know uh, now, it, dude. There's gonna be some kind of crazy conspiracy theory now. Okay, nobody cares about our show enough to actually do that. But, so true. Anyways, uh. Justin, I don't think you were here on the show. It was just a short time ago, September 4th. We celebrated the birthday of Mark Ronson, mm. the uh, the producer that has produced the likes of Lady Gaga and uh, Bruno Mars, right? He um, Yeah, yeah. He, he turned 44 on September 4th. That's right. Okay. And Justin, he's back in the news. He was uh, he was recently on Good Morning Britain and said in the interview that he identified as a sapiosexual. Hmm. Yeah. Which sapiosexual? That's right. Is that the one like all spectrums? Huh? Uh, uh, what? Like, is that I don't know. I thought is that the one that's like all spec? Like, what, what's a sapiosexual? You gotta explain Say, it. Well, there you go. I, I, I was like yourself. I was like, huh? What is that? Um, a sapiosexual is someone who is attracted to intelligence and the human mind uh, above other okay. traits, including okay. physical appearance and gender. So, listeners, that means if you're out there right now checking out lecture series of like Albert Einstein and Marie Curie and Stephen Hawkins and getting pretty hot and bothered, you may be a <laughs> sapiosexual. If you if you hide copies of Science and Nature under your bed instead of Playboy, you may be a sapiosexual. You know. <laughs> Although I guess you could just leave those out. You probably don't really need to hide those from anybody because most likely people wouldn't be like, hey. Are you looking to those to get aroused? Ew. No. I'm looking for significant P-values. Mm. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> but about a week after Mark went on Good Morning Britain, Justin, he had an interview with Rolling Stone. And yeah. he said that his remark had been taken out of context. Mark explained how he was asked how he felt about sapiosexuality and he said he asked what it was and he was given the definition oh. and then he replied yeah that sounds great who wouldn't hmm. be so at first when i heard this mark say this i was like it sounds a little suspect like why would the host of good morning britain just be like hey mark how do you feel about sex sapiosexuality that's a weird icebreaker that's like having an interview with Jamie Foxx and starting off the interview and being like, Hey, Jamie, 
How do you feel about the popular diet drink in the 70s? Tab. <laughs> like, what? Does it have anything to do with Mark Ronson? Like, I feel like a better question for Mark Ronson would be something like, hey, how was it working with Bruno Mars? Does he really dance yeah, something as good? about does producing. He, does he really dance as good in person as he does on his videos? Yes. Or is that a lot of video magic? Give me the give me the straight science. Mm. But no, no. They ask him about sapiosexuality. And then I found out, though, apparently before he came on the show, they had been discussing Marlene Schiappa, who is the French equality minister and identifies as a sapiosexual. And I was like, oh, okay. That makes more sense. That makes more sense. So Mark telling Rolling Stone, nah, that's not actually me. That, that that sort of makes sense. So true. And in case you were wondering, Justin, the term saviosexual has been around since 1998. Not too long. Not too long. A little bit less time than you've been around. Um, yeah. Dr. Debbie Herbenick, she says it's not an actual Herbenick. sexual orientation. It's a preference. So it doesn't right. necessarily mean... Like, you're going to choose whoever. You could have your sexual orientation, but then the preference of sapiosexuality on top of it. Mm. And so, I started thinking about saying your sapiosexuality, and I was like, you know what? Mark's initial reaction makes sense. Yes! Because it sounds good whenever someone asks you, uh, ask another person what they look for in a significant other to say intelligence always. Like, you don't want to be that shallow person that's like, looks, it's all that does it. What? I don't care if they're dumb as rocks. Looks, that's what I'm looking for. Like, that doesn't, you don't want to be that superficial. So you're always like, oh, man, intelligence. Oh, and if they look good, that's okay, right? Then you throw that in You got to be deep with it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I started thinking, Mark's answer on Good Good Morning Britain when he said, yeah, I'm a sapiosexual, it's sort of like when you ask somebody what their favorite food is, you know? Like, hey, what's your favorite food? Oh, me? Spinach. Really? Spinach? <laughs> That's your favorite? Oh, yeah, man, I love it. Sounds good, and it's the right thing to say, but all of a sudden, the next day, you're sitting on a bench... And a greasy bacon cheeseburger walks up to you, what? looking sexy as as can be. Sweet. And all of a sudden, you're not calling spinach late at night anymore. Nope. You guys aren't going on dates anymore. Nope. Spinach doesn't seem to be your favorite. Nope. Seems like you're shacking up with that greasy bacon cheeseburger. Yes. You just can't admit it. That's what I'm saying, right? Right. That's right. Now that we know all sapiosexuals are attracted to intelligence, that means we can almost be positive, Justin. There's no way they're still listening to our show. Yes. Oh, shoot. <laughs> regardless, here. Nope. regardless to all our sapiosexuals out there, you find those big juicy brains, guys, and you love them like there's no tomorrow. Justin, are you ready to fire up this show? Come on, man. Let's do it. Oh. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and lift Let's try off. to get these sapiosexuals on our side. We will. We'll win them over. Yes! We 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 I love everybody so. on this show. We have no orientations or preferences. We just love, 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 love like there's no tomorrow, Justin. Word. Uh, Justin, we have an amazing show. We have Doug Seegers on the show. I am extremely excited about this. He's going to play some tunes specifically for us. 
Justin. Wait, what? Specifically okay, okay. for us. Like, these are live. These are original Doc G. Doug Seegers collabos. Like, I'm I'm trying to make myself the, the DJ Khaled of Doug Seeger jams. I'm just going to come in when he starts doing it and be like, Yeah! We the best! And he's going to be like, What the you doing? I'm going to... Sorry. Sorry. It took over. But I'm so excited to hear these. They're going to be live, man. Just for our show. Can you believe it? Control the hype. Control the hype. Okay. Okay. I'm going to control it by moving on to the birthday suit. Are you ready? Ho-ho. Do it. Happy birthday, Mr. President. Born on October 16th, 1977 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Our birthday suit wears okay. parents were a high school principal and a middle school English teacher. Wow, education. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When he was 13, he saw Marty McFly play the guitar in Back to the Future and fell in love with the guitar. He started listening to Buddy Guy and Stevie Ray Vaughan, and he started taking guitar lessons. He was obsessed. So much so that his parents took him to a psychiatrist to see if he was okay. Wait, what? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, how obsessed this person was. Yeah, and the psychiatrist was like, yeah, he's a little weird, but he's fine. After high school, he I, I paraphrased. I don't know if the psychiatrist said he was weird. I just made that up. What? Uh, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> there, there, there was no quote from the psychiatrist that said that. Anyways, after high school, he went to the Berkeley School of Music, but only stayed for a year before going to Atlanta to start his music career. In 2001, okay. he released his first album and the single, Your Body is a Wonderland. Oh, John freaking Mayer. John Mayer is correct. Yes, hey, dude, I love that guy. He's been nominated for 15 Grammy Awards, won seven. Jeez. He released the albums Room for Squares, Heavier Things, Continuum, Battle Studies, and Born and Raised. That's it. That's it. Yes. Oh, and Search search for Everything. The Search for yeah, Everything. Yeah, Search Sorry. for Everything. Oh, and Paradise Valley. I can't believe I had those two covered up. Sorry about Girl, that. Girl, come on! Uh, big singles, Daughters, Waiting on the World to Change. Of course, Your Body's in Wonderland. Just a, a rocker through and through. You did know, you he, say Continuum? I did. I, I said Continuum, yeah. Nice, nice, that was. I think nice. that's where I, I that's hopped a good on too. the John Mayer train, actually. He took a yeah. he took a little bit more serious guitar turn on Continuum, you know, and uh, he's one I, guitarist, man. He is, he is, he 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 rocks out, man. He rocks out, and he lives in Montana. Yeah, he, he lives, lives in Montana. He lives in Montana now. He just lives wow. in this place apparently with a lot of other famous folks. There's like not a lot of famous. There's not a lot of people there, but apparently there's a high. Uh, capacity of famous folks Word. like Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid lives there with him. Wow, yeah. Dennis Quaid, huh? Yeah, big DQ, DQ, and not DQ. not Dairy not Queen. Dairy Queen. No, Dennis no. Quaid, D Quaid. That's a fact. Anyways, happy birthday to John Mayer. Turning the big, uh, what is that? Forty-two, forty-two for yeah, John man. Mayer. He like he looks young, but like forty-two is a little old. Baby you know? face, but real tall too. But he's hey. like six oh, yeah? six or something like that. Six five. Oh, shoot, like dude. That. Yeah, real Grab tall. Grab a rebound, dude. <laughs> real tall, but it went with the guitar. He was obsessed. Anyways, 
You ready to rip some headlines, Justin? I am. I'm ready to rip some. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Fantastic. Well, our first story, Justin, comes from where else? Cosmo. Yeah. Okay. Um, Justin, this just in. There are some hot shoes on the block. Some hot new shoes have been released. They're known as Jesus shoes. Wait, what? Yeah. Is this like, what do you mean, like Birkenstocks? I was about to say, you would think Birkenstock sandals. No, no, they are not. They are a pair of... Of 1997 Air Maxes that have been jazzed up by the company Brooklyn Company uh, MSCHF. MSCHF. Okay. They come with a crucifix that goes over the laces. They've got a Bible wow. verse inscribed on them. They're scented like frankincense. I don't like that. And they have 60 cc's. Of holy water injected into the insoles of the shoe. Wow, this is like super elaborate. Like they really wanted to like, yeah, religion like like Jesify this thing up. Is Take a stab. How much do you think? How much do you think these Jesified uh, shoes cost? Like, can you? It's weird because it's like Jesus, it's Jesus. and it's religion based. So yeah. like, you you don't want to put a price on it, but like, yeah. It's weird. There's a price? They did. They <laughs> Are, put a price. Okay, triple digit, double digit. Triple digit. Wow, 250. Wait, sorry. Quadruple digit. Quadruple oh, freak. digit. Dude, how do you miss the next the, the last digit, dude? I was thinking 30. Oh, I was thinking 30. Oh, zeros. Three, oh yeah. sorry, sorry. Wow, wow, quadruple digit. That's actually $3,000. <laughs> Three thousand dollars. When reached for comment, the brand said they asked themselves, "Quote: What would a collab with Jesus Christ look like?" Hmm. What? What? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure a guy like Jesus that said, "If you refuse to listen to the cry of the poor, your own cry for help will not be heard." I'm pretty sure that guy didn't follow that quote with. Hey, also, I've looked into the future, and I think that a pair of 97 Air Maxes, they look super dope fresh. I'd love to collab <laughs> with a company on some of those. Nope. Like, no, no. Jesus would be like, give away some shoes for free, you turds. Like, come on. <laughs> Dude, I gotta oh. look what these things are. They like all white too, or what? They're the yeah. They're like it's like I think there's like a tinge of of light blue with them too. It's like all white with like a light bluish tinge. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Justin, our next story is from BBC. Justin, I'm aware that you're British undergrad. broadcasting. Yeah, British broadcasting. Big serious. Sorry. Serious stuff. Um. Your undergrad degree was in exercise science. Did you yeah, ever... Yeah, you were a part of that, dude. So true. That it was. Did you ever think of trying another major? Were you like, eh, maybe, maybe Well, English. before exercise science, I actually was like athletic training, but I mean, that's not okay. too far off. That's of pretty like close. What you're trying to get me. Yeah, you're... I feel like you want me to go for a different spec. No, no. A social science, maybe. Well, Justin, you know I'm a fan of history. Yes! 
I and know you are. You said and you almost became a history yeah. professor, right? Yeah. And this next story has excited me because it's exciting. But excited. now we're making history. It would, that's true. That's what this show does. On the regular. Anyways, <laughs> this story has opened my eyes to the history of ninjas. Wait, what? Yeah. What? Apparently in Japan, you can take ninja history. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Amy Haga, a student at Mi University in Japan, was uh, she's been getting some big publicity about her studies in ninja history. Yeah. Nice. So recently she had a big essay due in one of her classes on ninja history. She knew she had to make her paper stand out. So she decided to code the paper in a buridashi. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. A what? A buridashi. Now, if you're a uh, if you're a noob to the street game of ninjas a buridashi, let me Dude, let I me am. let me let you in on it. It's when you use invisible ink made from soybean wow. paste to conceal your writing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. She then handed in her seemingly blank a paper to her professor with a little note attached that said, heat the paper. Yeah. Yeah. What? And the prof- the, yeah, heat the paper, because when you heat it, it then burns the soy paste, Whoa. and you can see where they okay. wrote. And then it... Okay, okay. True, yeah. True. Yeah. So, of course, the professor, he was so impressed uh, with the use of ninja techniques, he gave her a good grade. But That's I, I right. got to be honest. If I was that professor, I'd be like, what? Heat the paper? You didn't print this on a computer? Jesus. <laughs> you know, you could have just saved it on a file with a password, right? So that's, true. That's encrypted, too. Does anyone have a heater I can use? What do I got to use, like a butane torch? Oh, Lord. Jeez. Side note, butane torches are coming up in another story of ours here. Just a teaser right there. Okay. Justin, this next story, though, it's from right here in in, in Florida. Uh, Sun Sentinel. Um, have you ever been attacked by a wild animal, Justin? No, never. That's good. So true. That's good. You don't want to be attacked by a wild animal. Um, jaguars, hyenas, leopards, they're all bad options. Anyways, uh, 85-year-old Eslin. Eslin and Rupert Frey, a married couple, were unfortunately attacked on October 4th. They were out on their morning walk cruising the neighborhood when what they thought was a bobcat jumped out of the woods and attacked Eslin. Wait, what? Now, on the downside, while Rupert was trying to protect Eslin, he actually fell and fractured his hip. Jeez. That is not not a good way to go. That sucks, man. That's bad. So she had bites on her face, on her leg, and this attacker even ripped off the tip of her finger. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, before they were able to identify this animal for sure, it jumped back into the wood and vanished. Well, they did some DNA tests on the attack, and it turned out not a bobcat. It was... Chupacabra. A raccoon. What? Yeah. Oh, wow. 
Wow. Yeah. Must have been some kind of crazy mutated raccoon. That's right. A sneaky a-hole trash panda came out and roughed up Eslin and Rupert. That is one Dude, that ferocious, sucks, That's crazy, ferocious raccoon attack, man. A wildlife expert from Palm Beach said, quote, it's uncommon for raccoons to attack if they feel threatened. Or, sorry, it's common for raccoons to attack if they feel threatened or are protecting their young. And I got to ask, how did they feel threatened by 85-year-old Eslin walking down the road? <laughs> like... It wasn't like she was walking through its nest or anything. Nope. Like, this raccoon, I mean, normally they're pretty cool customers. They just sort of look yeah. at you from, like, the trash, and they're like, oh, you want me to head out? All right, I'm out. And then they just sort of hop off and, you know, do their little tr waddle, you know, back to the woods. This one jumped out of the woods like Rambo, except in this case, Rambo drew first blood. Jeez. Man. Oh, so Man. true. Note to all of our South Florida listeners, watch out for trash pandas. They're out, and they're looking for fights. Good news, though. Seriously. Eslin's better. She's good. She's yeah. good. Yeah, she's good. That's and good. I think That's Rupert's good. fine, too. I'm pretty sure. Um, okay. Justin, this next story is from Fox 59, Indianapolis. And you know, huh? you know, Justin, my feelings on Walmart. They've been documented. Not a fan. Nope. Well... A lady in Columbus, uh, Indiana, she is a fan. Um, she's also a fan of getting free stuff. Hmm. But uh, it doesn't seem like Walmart is really big fans of her getting free stuff from their store. So a 34-year-old uh, woman entered the Columbus Walmart and started going up to price tags, picking up things, taking the item, looking at the price tag, and burning them off with a butane torch. Hmm. Then with butane torches today. Ex exactly. Then she would place the item in a merchandise bag that, of course, she brought in to the store herself. And, of course, employees were watching her the whole time, and they were like, uh, I guess we should call the cops. Word. So they called the cops. And when police tried to handcuff her, this lady wasn't going out without a, without a fight. She tried to kick one of the officers and then successfully headbutted one of the other officers. Jeez. Uh, oh, they of course shoot. She was not playing. They, of course, they wrapped her up. Um, she now has charges of theft with a prior conviction, which turns out to be a level six felony. I don't know how many levels there are, but it's a level six felony. And she also resisted law enforcement. Police added up the merchandise that she had tried to steal, and it was worth... A hundred dollars. Girl, come on. Probably, probably not worth that fight. I'm gonna be honest. Hundred dollars, probably not worth it. Nope. Probably not worth it. Just gonna say that. And I mean, this might just not be me knowing the ins and outs of stealing from Walmart, but why did you need to use the torch? Hmm. Like, couldn't you just I, scratch? I, 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 couldn't nope. you just scratch the tag off? Like. I mean, at most, like, maybe a razor blade to get the little gunk off of it, you know? Like, I don't know. Plus, I feel like you might have some collateral damage with the torch, you know? Right, exactly. You don't want to burn a hole through your shirt and then be like, hey, check this out, I stole this burnt shirt. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> nice. <laughs> 
Uh, Justin, our next story is from the dailyvoice.com. Justin, this just in. Kmart still exists. They're still out there. Still out there. And apparently they're so awesome, some 16-year-olds refuse to leave them. Word. So... This went down in Yorktown, New York. Last week, the police received a report about a man in a Kmart who refused to leave the premises. And apparently, he had already previously been banned from that Kmart store by the employees. Hmm. So, the cops showed up, and they asked the employees about it, and they're like, yeah, we told him to leave, and he won't. <laughs> then they went up to the 16-year-old, and they were like, hey, you need to leave. And he didn't. Uh, then they fought him, and he fought them, and resisted arrest. And eventually, he was arrested and charged with juvenile delinquency since he was 16. Girl, come on, Justin. I gotta say, I feel like the story missed two absolutely vital parts of the story. One, why was the 16-year-old initially banned from the Kmart? And then two, yeah. why was he refusing to leave the Kmart the second time? Yeah, I like, mean, why didn't he want to leave? What was so awesome about What's this there? Kmart that he couldn't leave? I mean, Kmart management... Something is there, dude. They need to find out what's going on, what's keeping this guy in the store, because whatever it is, more Kmarts need to use it. Because yes! they need to keep whatever people they can <laughs> in those stores. It's very he essential. He knows something, dude. He knows Fe- something. That's right. Very essential, man. Uh, okay. Uh, Justin, are you ready? Just for a headline here. Yeah, dude. Hit me. Okay, here we go. Quote, a full beaver moon is coming in November. Hmm. End quote. A what? A full <laughs> beaver moon is coming in November. I guess that's the what name of the full... What is a full fever moon? Beaver, not fever. A beaver. Be- oh, be- beaver. Full beaver, beaver moon. moon. Yeah. What's a full beaver moon? I don't know, it but a half a, beaver moon, not as good. I got, I gotta bring up that really brings into question the whole no show, uh, no shave November. Am I right, Justin? What? Weird. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> Justin, this next story is from Metro.com. Do you have any uh, vegan or vegetarian friends, Justin? Hmm. Uh, yes, I do. There's yeah. a few in the cohort. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have, I have uh, several. I definitely respect it. You know, seems very important yeah, yeah. to them. Um, well, apparently, uh, this lady uh, in the story, her friends, they don't, they don't feel the same way. Nope. So, apparently, this 24-year-old woman decided to become okay. vegan about 10 years ago. Uh, she's been, you know, very austere, very regulated on her veganism. Uh, but she got uh, went to a party and got drunk, and in her own terms, got white girl wasted. Word. That's what she did. Nice um, white girl wasted. And of course, when she got drunk, she also got hungry, and her friends offered her something to eat, and she asked, "Hey, are those vegan?" And the friend said, "Sure, why not?" Wait, what? And she was like, "What are right. they?" And well, she's sure, like, why not? She's, she's like, "Oh, they they're, they're sun fed, which you know it's supposed to be like a uh, chicken." chicken uh, substitute that's made out of yellow pea and apparently they tried to uh, 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 emulate the protein taste of chicken so she ate it Uh, she was sick the next morning threw up 
and her uh, sister texted her and told her to look at her friend's Snapchat story. Mm. It showed her friends showing the chicken nugget package and then them telling her it was sun-fed and not uh, not chicken, and then her eating it. Uh, so after she found this out, she went to the police and told them what happened, looking, oh, wow. I guess, yeah, to get her... Her friends to arrest them. Uh, so far, the police haven't done anything. Nope. Uh, and I've got to say, I don't know if you're gonna get the police to do anything, but I think regardless, you can chalk your friends up to being friends. So true. You can go ahead. Yeah. And <laughs> do that. Like I mean, I that's get, pretty messed up. That is pretty like, messed up. Like I mean, the main thing that would come down to it, I guess, is how drunk were your friends? Hmm. Because. If your friends weren't drunk and they did that, then they they suck and there's not really any debate to it. That's a fact. But if they did it and they were really drunk, like as drunk as she was, then they suck when they're drunk, which is a major difference. Because I know a lot of people <laughs> that go into that category. Like so true. You know that's a that's a common occurrence right there. But anyways hopefully don't worry don't worry lady you're back on your vegan track you, you keep it going you keep it going yes justin this last story comes from people people magazine people. yeah now uh dave uh he has a yellow lab so right? true storm yes storm the yellow lab in the story we have a yellow lab uh, the yellow lab in the story is uh, wanted for shooting someone. Word. What? Yeah. <laughs> Let me what explain. So uh, Tina Springer, she was sitting in the passenger seat of a car waiting for a train to pass. Also in the car was Brent Parks, who's 79. And his caretaker was in the back seat, and his dog Molly was also in the back seat. It's a good name. Good yeah, name Molly. For a dog like that. Molly the dog. Well, um, so the train passing by, it apparently spooked Molly, made a loud noise, and Molly jumped up onto the center console. The center uh -oh. console also contained a 22 caliber pistol, which Molly hit with her paw, and it shot Tina in the leg. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. No. So Brent called 911, and I got to say, that's, I mean, obviously a lady got shot. Not good. But the 911 call is sort of hilarious. That's a fact. <laughs> it starts with Brent saying, the dog stepped on it and went off. And the re dispatcher responds, what? The dog shot her? And Brent says, yeah. Then you hear Tina in the background saying, oh, oh, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. I gotta lay down. I gotta lay down. Wait, what? And the dispatcher asks again, wait, what happened? And Brent says, well, a gun <laughs> went off. And the dispatcher says, wait, you're saying she shot herself? Nope. And then Brent says, no, no, no. No, she didn't shoot herself. She said, who shot her? He said, it, the the gun, it just went off. We had a dog in here, and it stepped on the gun. That's right. And Tina says, I want some help. 
And then Brent turns to Tina and says, come on, you're tougher than that. I know you are. <laughs> so You're so, tougher than that. So many things here. First, I, I know, Brent, your dog doesn't have opposable thumbs, but it's pretty, probably still not a good idea to have your guns out where your dog can get to them. So true. Just a good idea. Maybe, you know, put it inside the glove compartment or like under the seat somewhere where a dog can't just go around on a shooting spree. Might be a good idea. Second, I know at the end of the call, Brent tells Tina to toughen up like, oh, come on. You're just shot in the leg. You're fine. Don't worry, Tina. Like, Suck come it up, on. you baby. Come on. It's crazy. Good news, though, Justin. Uh, police aren't going to press charges on Molly. So nope. positive oh, thank right God. there. Positive right there. All right, Justin, that has been ripped from the headlines. We are going to take a break. We will be right back with more Doc G Show. Hey, what's up? This Rock Montana. This Mucho Yellow. And this Rock and Yellow. And you're listening to Doc G Show from 803 to 904. The best show on the radio. You dig? This is 95.5 Spinnaker Radio. WSKRLPFM, UNF Jacksonville. And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Justin? Ladies and gents, please check out the podcast. Mm. We're on there. Mm. You don't even have to come on here and listen to us. You can go on there, listen to whenever... Yeah. Whatever you want, whenever you want. Yeah, of course. It's free. Of course, the radio. Check out the podcast. The radio station doesn't want you to do that. But you know what? Sometimes you're busy. I understand. Sometimes you have things going on at 7. Well, no, I'm just, yeah, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. I I'm know what you mean. trying to detract from the radio. And you can say, you can say, you know, that for those people who listen on the radio, they can go back and enjoy it one more time. Spin it around. That's one right. More time, right. You know? you know, that's what I'm saying, man. Every you can replay, rewind, fast forward, pause, play, do whatever. We dude. live in the 21st century. We have all of those options. That happens. Yes! You love it. I do. I do. Justin, are you... And check out the website. Check out the website. www.g. What? Doc Sheet. <laughs> I can't get my own website Did you forget? Website Did you forget? www.gshow.com. Thank goodness. It's so Good easy. Good Lord. Anyways, Justin, are you ready? It's time for a little bit of shout outs. Yeah, man, outs. hit me up with that second one, man. No, no. Oh, whoa, shout I forgot. The shout outs. The shout outs. Yeah. I'm, I'm going a little bit ahead of myself, It's man. all right. Now, as I told you during the break, Justin, we now do shout outs. Regulars, semi-regulars, and newcomers. So first. Come on. Let me just go ahead and throw down all of the regulars. Shout out to Columbia SC. There you go. Big Who's listeners. been here? Who's been here? Shout, Let's go, dude. Shout out to Jacksonville. Big win over the weekend for them. Duval. Shout out to Jacksonville. Duval, the 904. We are out here. Shout out to Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. Hot Atlanta. ATL, baby. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Citrus Heights, California. Our Shout West Coast out. connect. Wow. Yeah. 
They're, Citrus Heights? They're regulars. Okay. Yeah, they're regulars, man. Citrus Heights is always on there. You can count on it. Shout out to Kenner, Kenner Louisiana. Shout yeah, out. regulars. Okay, never been to Louisiana, but shout outs to them. Right, out, right outside of New Orleans, Kenner is. Right, right you outside. You know everything. Uh, Mozambique. Shout out to Mozambique, okay. our international listeners. Shout out. Shout out to Genoa, Lego. Italy. Shout out. Genoa, dude. Salami. And the newcomers to the regular list, the new regulars, Orlando and Charlotte. Shout, Shout out. out to those guys. Wow. Yes. Orlando and Charlotte. You just now heard of us? Yeah, well, they're regulars now. They've listened regularly enough for me to consider them. Regulars, and I don't want to. I don't want to say it, you Justin. To. But I, I gotta. I gotta take. I've gotta take Portland off of the regular list. I haven't seen them mm. this week. Nobody listens from Portland. It makes me sad. They have now fallen to the category of semi-regulars. Yeah, yeah. On the on the category of shout-outs to, to semi-regulars, Amberg, Germany. The old Amberg. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Dublin. Dublin, Ireland. Dublin, Ireland. Yeah. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to Ashburn, Virginia. They're semi-regulars. Love those guys in Ashburn. Uh, And shout out to San Jose, California. San Jose. Okay. Justin, are you ready? Newcomers. Yeah, dude. Newcomers. Let's see. who's Who's come on board? First newcomer. I've never seen this one on there. Winfield, Kansas. Shout out. Yeah. What? Yeah, they're right on the border of Oklahoma, right beside our man Tyson. Do Dean. you, man? Shout out to Tyson there as well. Um, shout out to Taipei, Taiwan. Shout out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Almost. Th- I actually stopped by in that. That's the airport I stopped by in before Philippines. Nice. Last time I went. Nice. There's almost three million people in that capital of Taiwan. Three million. Crazy. Oh shoot. Yeah. I didn't even know. Yeah. Shout out to Stormville, New York. Shout out. Yeah. Wow, that's a real place. That's a real place. It's uh, right, it's south of Poughkeepsie, New York. Right south of Poughkeepsie. Oh, Poughkeepsie. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, shout out to Florissant, Missouri. Shout out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. that's respect. Northwest of St. Louis. I would guess that most people there probably say they're from St. Louis because it's pretty close pretty it's, it's right there it's right there thank you for all the listens folks we enjoy it newcomers stick around it only gets better i promise it only gets better uh nope. justin second birthday suit you're ready right yeah dude here we go born on october 16th 1992 in las vegas nevada that's right he grew Nevada. up lo- loving baseball, and in 2009, Sports Illustrated did a story on him about playing baseball, comparing him to LeBron James. Hmm. He was the... Is this uh, Bryce? Wow, nicely done. Yes. Bryce Harper. Very nice. Yeah, man. 2010. I was... Uh... Go ahead. Wait, what? No, 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 go, no, go, I'll go, finish go. It I up. was just thinking. I was like, I feel like that's the only other baseball player I know that's from Las Vegas. Oh, there you go. Well, in 2010, he played at the College of Southern Nevada and played the position of catcher. Get this: that year, he hit 31 home runs, which beat the previous record for the team 
of 12. Jeez. <laughs> wow. Yeah, dude. Dude had power, man. It, I remember they did like a little segment on ESPN about him like and showed him like showed off his power and like he had like a ball outside the park and into like the adjacent road. Yeah, man. Well, he went on to be a six-time All-Star Silver Slugger Award home run leader in 2015 and 2019. He signed with the Philadelphia Phillies for $330 million. Not bad. Not bad. It's a lot of money. Has a, f- a few dollars to uh, celebrate his birthday with. Few few dollars. Few dollars. So- Give me some. And he's a sexy man. What? You are a sexy man, Bryce Harper. You're an attractive right, fellow. He's got a nice head of hair and the beard, man. Very solid hair. I mean, it's a good uh, quaff of hair up there. It's a, a shock. Yeah, yeah. A brown shock of hair. It's very nice. Very nice. Some might even be some amber hues in there. Maybe mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too technical. I'm out, I'm out of my Who wheelhouse. Knows? I don't know. Uh, nonetheless, happy birthday, Bryce Harper. Uh, Justin. Yeah. Don't know if you knew this. A lot of famous things happened today in the year of October 16th. What? Or the day, not the year. (laughs) The year. Get my date right. (laughs) On on the day of October 16th, we had the Harper's Ferry Rebellion with John Brown. That happened on October 16th. Um, The Cuban Missile Crisis happened on October 16th. Yeah. Now, we had also some less alter uh, world-altering events, like Jack Johnson, the boxer, beating Stanley Ketchell for the heavyweight championship. That's right. Yeah. Wow. And I saw this, and, uh, you know, I saw Jack's name, and I thought, hmm, you know, we haven't done, we haven't done a historical athlete hot takes of history, and I was like, you know what? We should. Let's do one, man. Let's do one. So let's take some hot takes of history on Jack Johnson. H-T-H. He freaking H, dude. Hot, hot takes of history. Jack Johnson, he was born March 31st, 1878. His parents wow. were former slaves Jeez. that had been freed oh, no. following the Civil War. That see that seems so crazy. Like it's only a hundred and forty years ago. I mean, Jack Johnson died right before my mom was born. So she almost like was alive. And I'm sure there were other people, but you know, it's only two generations away from 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 slavery. From people being owned by other people. That's insane. That is pretty wild, wild thought to think about. It's insane. And talk about, like, as a kid, you can't complain about anything, man. Nope. You're like, oh, God, I had a rough day at school. And they're like, I was owned by a person, you turd. That's a fact. Like, <laughs> there's nothing you can say to that, man. That is horrible. Anyways, Jack's life got a little bit better. So let's go on. HTH. HT freaking H. <laughs> of history. His first organized fight uh, for pay appears to have taken uh, place on a beach outside of Galveston, Texas during the summer of 1895 against fellow dock worker John Lee Johnson. That's a fact. He, 
he won Dang, the fight. John Johnson versus Jack Johnson. Yeah, he won the fight by knockout in the 15th round and collected the winner's purse, which was a dollar fifty. Wait, what? Yeah, I was about to say four dollars. A dollar fifty. I'm gonna be honest. I think even when you account in a, in inflation, seems like a pretty weak purse. Like, yeah. Just think if Jack heard about Floyd Mayweather's last fight, where he made two hundred and fifty million dollars off of Conor McGregor. Be like, what? Girl, come on! I fought fifteen rounds in the hot <laughs> Texas sun and won a dollar fifty. This guy <laughs> won like 30 times the amount I, 30 million times the amount I won. It's a ridiculous. That's right. HTH. HTH. Takes of history. Jack won the heavyweight title in 1908, becoming the first African American fighter to hold the title of world champion in boxing wow that is right that is right he ruffled some feathers man too we're gonna get into some of that that feather ruffling here in a little bit hth hth of history the match that we talked about earlier with ketchel that happened on october 16th was originally thought to have been an exhibition because Ketchel yeah. was actually a middleweight fighter. He wasn't a uh, he wasn't a heavyweight. Nope. Uh, and both men fought like it was a uh, exhibition until the twelfth round when Ketchel uh, threw what apparently uh, looked to be a dirty shot at Johnson's head, knocking him down. Hmm. Well, Johnson was not happy about this. Quickly regained his footing. Very annoyed. He went straight over to Ketchel and threw a single uppercut that knocked him completely out. Caught Ketchel on wow. the jaw and knocked him out. The pu- the punch knocked out Ketchel's front teeth. Wait, what? And Johnson in the film oh, of the of the fight can be seen removing the teeth from his glove. Jeez. What? Wow. There is no way. What? There is no way Ketchel is spinning that to his friends to try to make it sound like he won. No, no, dude. I made it all the way to the twelfth round. Come on, Stan. Your teeth were in his glove. You got your teeth knocked y- out. Your teeth not there anymore. Were in his glove. Yeah, yeah. But I bit his glove pretty hard. I'm pretty sure his hand's gonna be sore tomorrow. That's right. Pretty sure. <laughs> Count on that. H T H. H T H. Of history. In 1910, Jack Johnson fought Jim Jeffries. A lot of generic names back in those days. Uh, Jack Johnson fought Jim Jeffries for the world championship. It was also known as the fight of the century. Yeah. Jeffries was quoted okay. as saying before the fight, I'm going into this fight for the sole purpose of proving that a white man is better than a Negro. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna Whoa. say that's one of those Whoa. quotes. Didn't age well. Wasn't good at the time. Didn't get any better after he said it. Nope. That's no wild. Be- no better. No better. What I like about this fight was that uh, Jim Jeffries had been retired for six years and gained a hundred pounds. Wait, what? Before he fought 
uh, Jack Johnson. He had to lose 100 pounds to get back into fighting shape. And he actually thought he was going to be able to beat this new young world champion. Nope. Like, how deranged in your head are you that you're like, yeah, I haven't fought in six years, and I weigh 100 pounds more, but I'm pretty sure I still got it. Nope. Still pretty lightning fast. Like... <laughs> you gotta give it though even though he had that horrible horrible quote before the fight he did say afterwards quote I could have never whipped Johnson at my best I couldn't have hit him no not in a thousand years I could have reached him nice at least he know when he got beat bad and he got beat yeah, bad at least yeah at least he was able to swallow his pride HTH HTH of history. Jack loved fast cars. Yes! Which meant at the time he probably liked cars that like went like 40 miles per hour. That's a fact. But he decided okay. to capitalize on his biggest fight when he fought Jim Jeffries. And after that, he challenged the best race car driver, one of the best in the country, uh, Otis, Od Otis Oldfield, to a race. Wow. Uh, okay. And Otis Oldfield had recently set the world land speed record at 131 miles per hour. That's right. Wow. Which, by the way, uh, the rec record now is 763 miles per hour. What? So. So close. A little bit faster now. Uh, Jack lost the race. <laughs> he wasn't anywhere close. Nope. And the one thing I got to uh, wonder is, like, did he just race his, like, normal car? Hmm. Or did they have some car for him to race? Did he just, like, show up in a Sunday driver and was like, hey, what's up? Sweet. It's my minivan. Let's rock this thing. I'm here. Like, minivan hadn't been invented for 80 years, but it's fine. We'll say it was a minivan. HTH. HTH. Don't race like that, though. takes of history. Because of his love of going fast, Jack used to get a lot of speeding tickets. And uh, okay. he was once quoted... Uh, he got a speeding ticket for fifty dollars, fifty dollars speeding ticket, and the officer told that's a lot. Told him, uh, you know, to pay the fine, and he gave the officer a hundred dollar bill, and the officer told him he didn't have change. Johnson told him to keep the change as he was going to make his return trip at the same speed. Oh snap! Wow, snap. what a G! What that is ballsy, and I I gotta say too. We need to return to that time that you can just pay the fine on the spot. Yes! Like, I want to be able to do that. Because all speeding tickets that I've got are a pain in the ass, and I forget to pay them. I know, you got to go online to do it yeah. and stuff like that. And in Georgia, the, I was driving through money. Georgia one time, and I got a super speeders ticket, Girl, come on. and you get a separate fine that you have to pay in a different place. And they don't tell you that you have to pay it in a different place online than the regular ticket. Ridiculous. I got my license suspended That's for pretty... like two days in Georgia because I didn't oh, know shoot. that was the case. Ridiculous. Ridiculous, Justin. Anyways, I got sidetracked. HTH. HTH. takes of history. On October 18th, Two uh, 2000, 1912, Johnson was arrested on the grounds 
that his relationship with Lucille Cameron violated the Mann Act. Really, the only thing that was wrong here in the eyes of most officials was that he was black and that Lucille was white. Hmm. The charges were eventually dropped, but he was brought up on the same charges about a month later. This time, he was sentenced to a year in jail. What? But instead of going to jail, Jack Johnson left the country. He avoided police Mm. for seven years, but eventually he came back to America and was arrested in 1920, and he had to serve one year in prison. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. He lost his title on April 15th, 1915, when he was out of the country avoiding that prison sentence. But... This is probably the most interesting thing of all the HTHs. He kept fighting into his 60s. Wait, what? He did exhibition wow, fights 60s, into huh? his 60s. His last fight was a uh, were three one-minute exhibition rounds in 1945 to be, or 1943 to benefit US war bonds. He was 67. Jeez. 67 years wow. old. Wow. How ridiculous. What a man, man. Ridiculous. What a man. Is that? It is ridiculous. Oh, no, sorry. 45. I was right. 45 the first time. 67 years old, though, in 1945. Crazy. Still fighting. Still fighting. Justin, that is HTH. Hot takes of history. Jack Johnson style right there. Sweet. You know it, baby. That was that's wild story, man. That hundred dollar speeding ticket or fifty dollar, yeah, paid with a hundred. That's he a did, pretty baller. He said movie. a lot of crazy things, man. He said uh, he ruffled a lot of feathers because he was a he was an African American that did not care that he was African American yes. in a time of Jim Crow era of rules. He was like, you know what? I don't care about these. Nope. Screw you guys. And just did whatever he wanted. I mean, wanted. this guy was a dangerous dude too. So I mean, he wore he, pick he, a fight with he wore fur jackets. Sweet. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. He dated white women. This dude was like, whatever. I don't care, man. He was a boss. And if you ever want to watch a uh, awesome documentary, Ken Burns, the dude that does all great documentaries, has an awesome documentary on Jack Johnson. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. Nice. Anyways, Justin, we are going to take a break. We are going to be right back with our guest of honor, Doug Seegers, in the studio. Very exciting. Very exciting. Sick. The Doc G Show. Because sometimes you need something playing in the background. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on 99.5 FM, Spinnaker. Welcome back to the show today, folks. I am so excited for the guest today. He's a Long Island cowboy. He's been playing music for the better part of five decades. But it wasn't until the past six years that his name became recognized worldwide. Mr. Doug Seegers. Doug, how's it going today? It's wonderful. Wonderful. It's because of the invite that you've given me to actually have a little exposure down there in Florida. <laughs> so that's nice. Thank you, you so much. You you need the exposure. You need the exposure everywhere, I think, in my opinion. 
Uh, no, I haven't spent in, I have not been spending nearly enough time in America because I've been so busy overseas, you know. Yeah, you're definitely definitely popular in Europe. That is for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Doug, I, I think it goes without saying. Uh, our listeners may not know, but you've you've lived a lot of life. That's a fact. You have. Uh, you've, yeah, I sure have. In your time, you've lived a lot of life. And getting ready for this interview, uh, I read your your book, Going Down to the River. And Thank you. I've got to say, if the listeners haven't read it, they need to. It uh, <laughs> it gives lessons in in patience and forgiveness and uh, understanding yes, yeah. and uh, For, sh- shows what kind of life. Is the big one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and it shows what kind of life that that came behind uh, some really great songs that you uh, that you yeah. made. And thank you. Um, I wanted to go a little bit through some of the points that stuck out uh, with me from the book and, uh, you know, maybe maybe give a little bit of some, uh, y- you know, hopefully some inside teasers for the listeners if they go back and and uh, and read the book. Um, yeah, sure. So so growing up, uh, you, you didn't have the, the most optimal childhood, I'd put it, but you seemed like you were immersed in music. Uh, yeah, your dad yeah, was, was a musician. Your mom was a musician. Uh, your grandma, what sounds like an outstanding musician, she actually had perfect pitch, which you know. Uh, yeah, my grand, my uncle played the five string banjo and actually got to the point where he used to give lessons. Mm, mm. So, so mm-hmm. it was all through the family, and yeah, yeah, sure. And and your grandma, to me, she seemed like. Sort of, uh, you know, the the matriarch of, of music, and sort of seemed like she she helped you out. You you sort of had a glowing review of her in the book. Um, yeah, I had I I got uh, I got Beatlemania from my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was she, I was going to. She ask. loved the Beatles. Yeah, she loved the Beatles. Uh, so. What what stuck with you the most as far as your grandma? What do you remember? Uh, the most as far as music uh, sort of the lesson she, that, that she taught you uh, she uh, the thing that I remember the most that I really appreciate the most is a very important thing in, in a, any musician is how to listen to music you know I mean mm-hmm. it sounds silly to, it sounds silly to say that my but my grandmother would pull me over by the old radio that she had on the wall mm-hmm. uh, when whenever a Beatles song came on and you remember how beautiful the Beatles harmonies oh, yeah. were you know so I have a, I, I have a, a memory of her pulling me over. Uh, one day when the, the Beatles were playing this boy, you know, this boy mm-hmm. is in good for, and the harmonies are just so precious. And my grandmother saw that, and she wanted me to to also, you know, learn how to appreciate those beautiful harmonies. Yeah. And so, you know, le- listening to music was big for her, and she wanted me to be part of that, you know. Yeah, the the, the true appreciation of listening to exactly. all the small, the, the small things in there. Well, that's where your inspiration comes from, and that's how you become a creative writer. Is you have to be inspired by somebody, you know? Yeah, definitely. Amy Amy Winehouse was a major inspiration for me, just because of the fact that she was, she had this fusion thing going on that was just so interesting to me. Well, and and I think a lot of I think a lot of artists will will point it out when an artist can make those intricate details. 
and and make them not stand out is is yeah. so important is uh, that that the the you know the music layman that doesn't know those small things are there and can just appreciate the beautiful melodies and harmonies but then the person yeah. that's also very musically inclined is saying how did they do that they put this in they put that in very in, exactly. impressive well uh in, in the book um one one of the sort of continuing themes obviously is is sort of your battle with addiction uh throughout yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. throughout yeah. life yeah. and uh yeah. the first beer uh you had you you highlight that in the book <laughs> and you started drinking at, at a young age and um <laughs> In, in, until that day, and I spoiler alert for any listeners, until that day you were in a church parking lot and decided to go sober, you don't really highlight any days where you really, it seems like you had this inner battle. But I wanted to know, were there days that you thought about quitting before that, that you said, I need to, I need to stop this? I need to stop. Or was what? it just, you just went with it until that point? No, I had quit prior to that for ten years, actually. Oh, oh. Yep. Uh, yep. And then, and then when I moved to Nashville in two thousand, uh, I slipped back into my old mm. ways. Mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. That that. So so when you uh, when you were raising your family, you were sober at that time as well. Uh, no, I can't say that. I, I would really pretty much say that I was a weekend drinker okay. you know, when I go out and pl play in the local clubs, yeah. you know, but I never, but I never drank in front of the children, mm. though, never. They, they, my, my kids never saw me drunk, mm. ever. Mm. So I'm at least proud to say that, yeah. you know, during all, during all those, uh, you know, years of drinking. Yeah, well... So as far as that that same time period where where you started drinking as a teenager you were getting in bands and uh yeah. you uh yeah. when when you took the, the the first major step sort of as bands is when you moved to Austin. Uh you decided to move to Austin to play with Buddy Miller. Um Yeah, that was a big move for me. Yeah. 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 That was a good move. And uh I, I found it ironic in the book because you mentioned that when you when you're talking about moving to Austin, uh one of the places you mentioned when you when you said you're you're going to Austin is that you were stopping outside of Roanoke, Virginia hmm. and you spent a night in uh, Jefferson National Forest. And the reason I found that sort of odd is because that's where I grew up. I, I used to go to Jefferson National Forest all the time. That's where, you know, I, I, play, I played in National, uh, Jefferson National Forest. So uh, I was, you know, wondering, was there a reason that that stuck out in your mind that you wrote that down as, a, you know, as sort of the, a stopping point that you mentioned in the book uh, on that trip to Nash or Austin? No, I, I think there was probably just a lot of places, and I just picked one to you know talk about a little bit. That's all. I mean, I was staying in a one night. I stayed in this abandoned building, you know, because I couldn't find a mission to take me in for the yeah. night. And uh, it was an adventurous life, you know. Uh, but back then, I did a lot of hitchhiking. Oh yeah, and all over the place. We, you know, that was just what we did. You know, when I got out of high school, we just traveled with our guitars and we went everywhere. We got in trouble a whole bunch. <laughs> well, I, I think, I think you see that more back then as far as, you know, the beatnik culture, the Jack Kerouac, uh, you know, on the road again, sort of idea 
of it being right. accepted. You don't you don't see it obviously nearly as much. There's a there's a hesitancy. There's a fear associated with it. And uh, yeah. you, sad, sadly, you, you can't really you can't really do that anymore. Uh, you just don't have the support. Uh, you don't get those adventures. But um, back 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 then, it was just that's what exactly what it was. It was, it was an adventure back then. Mm-hmm. You know, you never you never knew what was going to happen. You know, but it wasn't always good. But lots of times, it was kind of cosmic. You know, you get a ride from a guy, and he'd uh, wind up. You know, smoking a joint with you while you're heading down the highway, <laughs> something like that. Well, uh, so once you got to Austin during that time, uh, you played with Buddy Miller. You mentioned uh, in the book how you learned to write creative uh, from Buddy and how to craft sort of a song and and really put that energy into that song and that songwriting process. What was the biggest takeaway from buddy on songwriting that you had during that time texas swing music mm. Mm. texas swing music yeah he buddy told me he says if you're gonna play in austin you better learn how to play texas swing music <laughs> so i i was you know, i started listening to what he was doing and what he was playing and the feel the rhythm structures you know it's just it's very different from your regular pop country in nashville yeah it's very different but it's uh you know there's no, I don't really have any favorites as far as styles are concerned. I love it all pretty yeah. much, you know, as long as it's done well. But the when I got down there, I knew that I had to learn how to play Texas swing music. You yes. know, and Buddy Miller was the in, main main inspiration for me. Sort of like we my- were hanging out. We were hanging out, hanging out with bands like Asleep at the Wheel and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny the the way that you described uh, Buddy Miller. Uh, it, during his sort of creative process in that time, it reminded me of the same uh, way that Glenn Fry from the Eagles, he described how to write from uh, Jackson Brown as far as how Jackson mm-hmm. Brown crafted a song. And oh, wow. there, yeah, there was this sort of, the way that you brought his creative process in, the way you talked about it, sort of that, uh, you know, rhythmic organized you know process of him going through a song it was it was really it was really similar and then it was ironic because i found out that uh jackson brown sang backup vocals on your newest album uh a story i got to tell and uh i, I actually i did a con i did a concert with jackson brown in stockholm well that's i heard you have a you have a story yeah. about it i sure do that one would take much too long to tell, though. It's just a, really a, I had a I was playing with a with a an Estonia and a girl from Estonia in in mm-hmm. Stockholm, and uh, uh, Jackson's bass player saw us playing out on the street one day, mm-hmm. and long uh, to make it a quick little story to kind of try to finish it, and with not too much time to talk about <laughs> it, but they and. But we got a phone call two hours later from Jackson's people, uh-huh. and they invited us to his show. And so we went to his show as soon as I got there. He knew who I was, and because <laughs> I had the hit song back then. Yeah, they were in Stock. They were in Stockholm. So he asked me if I, if I wanted to come up and play going down to the river right in the middle of his set. Wow, wow. So that was that was pretty incredible. Yeah. yeah. So so. T- Technically, you were sort of at that time bigger than Jackson Brown, right there. 
Which... <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. I can't take that credit. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing, though. When I walked into that building, he was warm. He was the most warm, sweet person you could ever imagine. You yeah, know, the way he greeted me. He definitely. Yeah. He definitely seems like a really nice guy. Uh, well, I I really enjoy that the the song that you uh, recorded with him, uh, White Line. Uh, that's that's a Willie P. Bennett song that I learned from Jonathan Edwards from back in the late '70s. Jonathan Edwards was another. Uh, I like to call the people that I that I like to listen to. I like to call them pioneers. You know, like yeah. Graham Parsons, uh, Jonathan Edwards, Ray Charles, Amy Winehouse. They're all pioneers because yeah. they what they do is they're fusing different styles together. Okay, so yeah. that's the that's that's always been the kind of. Uh, the kind of outlook that I've I liked in music, you know, amazing rhythm aces, you know. Definitely. Well, would you like to uh, play a little white line for the listeners? Absolutely. Cold and lonely on the road. Lord, I wish I had a hole to climb in. Summer's warm rain sure ain't coming. Oh, Lord, it seems to me I'm thumbing once again. Tired and hungry once again. Sleep keeps coming down on top of me. Wish to the Lord I had me a warm coat and a hat so I could sleep. Standing by a midnight highway. Excuse me, sir, are you going my way? On and on, the endless white line goes. You know that could have been me you're listening to on your radio. I could have been warm inside of some place. Instead of standing here in the snow Sunny days are what I pray for Golden sunshine on my skin I'm headed down south for the Cheetah Mountains Oh Lord, it seems to me I'm thumbing once again Standing by a midnight highway Excuse me sir, are you going my way? On and on, the endless white line goes You know that could have been me you're listening to on your radio 
I could have been warm inside of some place instead of standing here in the snow. Standing by a midnight highway. Excuse me, sir, are you going my way? On and on the endless white line goes. On and on the endless white line goes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's a pretty song, isn't it? It definitely is. It's uh it you, and you recorded it so so well with uh Jackson in the background and all, all the other uh instruments uh involved. It it sounded really well on the uh on 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 the C D, but there's a there's an extra feel when you do it acoustic live. You definitely uh thank have an extra Oh that's nice you to say that. Extra thank level. You. Um so, <laughs> so, so you you only stayed uh, with uh, Buddy as part of Duke the Drifter in Austin uh, for about a, a year or so. You became home. That's it. Yeah, th- that's it. Just about a year, and then I headed back to Long Island and got married. Yeah, and you, you seemed to. Uh, it, it seemed like something that you sort of deeply regretted the way that you left. Uh, as far as uh, when you left Austin and, and you didn't really uh, tell anyone that you were leaving. Um, well, and well, it really, it all started from me regretting leaving Long Island to go play with Buddy Miller because I had different intentions in mind, but, but uh, you know, the offer just sounded real good. Yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately I had just met a woman back on Long Island yeah. about... Two or three, two or three weeks before I left to go play with Buddy, so the, <laughs> the whole thing kind of jammed me up a little bit. Yeah. I fell in love in, on Long Island, and then I left her to go yeah. play music in Austin. Isn't isn't that but, the you know, way it usually happens? <laughs> no, but the, really, the biggest the biggest reason for me leaving uh, Austin, Texas, was was the the road life, and we weren't making a lot of money, and we were just traveling in this little tiny little van. It was really tough, you know. Yeah, and then and then you add hundred degree weather to that. <laughs> Well, and I got home. I got homesick real quick, you know. <laughs> well, I saw that you actually did a reunion show uh, of Duke the Drifter at First United uh, Methodist in New York just uh, just a couple weeks ago. How did that uh, How did that show turn out? Uh, well, I wasn't. I didn't have any big expectations as far as how we were going to sound. Yeah, for us. For us, it was more about old friends getting together that haven't seen each other in 30, 40 years. Yeah. So it was it was kind of fun. It was just a it was just a family get together, is what it was. But we figured we figured while we're doing it, we may as well play it up a little bit, you know. Yeah, but it was. And, it, uh, and we we had we had one rehearsal, so it wasn't anything really really major professional, but it was okay. It was a lot of fun. Good, good. Well, you know, fun f- fun's the main point. That's definitely the main point. <laughs> 
for that trip it was yeah um, for that trip it was well when you uh, so you like you said you went back to New York and uh, and you started a family and uh, you were there for uh, a good while after that you stayed in New York for uh, the better part of that uh, that century really and at the end of the yeah. at the getting close to 2000 you you just kept feeling that need to give music another shot um exactly exactly yeah i moved upstate and um you know when i first started having kids i decided that i didn't want to raise them on long island with all the traffic and with all the rich people and all that mm -hmm. stuff i want to i want to put myself somewhere where there's a you know a little bit easier and uh, less expectations and i didn't need as much money so we moved upstate new york and it was a really good move for us my children still live up there mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you, you well, you decided to to finally go to Nashville, and uh, when you moved to Nashville, you started. You mentioned you started hitting some of the the songwriter circuits, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And you said you were blown away by the talent of the performers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, blown away to the point where I just felt like hanging my guitar up on the wall, you know, for an <laughs> art piece. Well, you know? well, when I read that, I, I thought about it sort of in, in two ways, because, you know, listening to you now, you know, I think you're super talented. And like you said, music runs in, in your veins as far as all of your, your relatives that play it. And yeah. I feel like if you would have stuck with those performances, I have a feel like you, you would have had to make it somewhere. But on the other side of the coin, you wrote some of your best songs from, uh, you know, those experiences of, of darker times that you hadn't gone yeah, through at that point. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you hadn't stopped going to these open mics, do you think you, you would have been able to make it? Or do you think you had to go through some of that, you know, some of that harder times to get to the point you're at in your career now? Well, what I really think is that I'm not the kind of person I'm really, I don't look at myself as a, a how do I put this into words? You know, there's a lot of guys in Nashville that are writing songs, and they're writing songs with a certain kind of rules or a certain kind of uh, 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 intentions to create the Nashville sound. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't fall any, I and I don't fall anywhere near that category, <laughs> and I never want to be, and I never want to be in that category. Yeah. You know, so, so, and I, I'm not trying to sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I can, you know, only personally write about experiences that I've had, and uh, and uh, another thing about my outlook on writing songs is I think they in some way need to be therapeutic you know mm -hmm. they need to have some kind of message of faith and, and hope and you know i was raised a christian and i've always had god in my life you know mm -hmm. so so i i i, I want to put words of inspiration in my songs and try to and maybe you know maybe inspire someone to uh to change their ways of course you know we'd all like to come up with some kind of magical message that would help people's addictions you know so that's pretty much been a large part of my focus in my songwriting nice well uh yeah uh, one of those one of those saviors in your life uh one of those things that helped you in your life you uh, when you moved to nashville i'm fast forwarding a little bit here through the Nashville yeah. part, you uh, you eventually uh, lost your job because of the slowdown in the market. Uh, you've 
always worked <laughs> in in woodwork yeah. and uh, small small. I worked in small shops and and slowdowns in small shops was a very very co- common thing, you know. Yeah, and around 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 Christmas time especially. Yeah, and so so you didn't have a job, and you eventually lost the the rental that you were living in. You couldn't keep up with rent. And uh, you you became you became homeless, and uh, as you say, there were still angels in your life that kept popping up. And uh, oh, yeah. one of those angels that popped up was uh, Stacy Downey. Uh, she found oh, at the yeah. uh, little pantry yeah. that could after uh, the flood in 2010. What does Stacy yeah. mean to your life? I met Stacy when I was walking out from underneath a bridge. I was staying. I was actually actually living under a bridge, and I walked out one morning to uh, to go to the store for a, a coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And she just had me. She just had me walking right there at the same time, <laughs> and she caught me. Walk. She caught me. Well, she's not caught me, but she noticed me walking out from under the bridge. Yeah. And I re- and I ran up to her, and I just kind of knew her vaguely at the time. And I ran up to her, and I said, "Stacy, please don't tell anybody you saw me coming out from under the bridge." Yeah. And she said, "She said your secret's safe with me. Don't worry about it, Doug." You know, and I yeah. just loved her for that. <laughs> so I would go down to the food pantry every Saturday, and we got to know each other really well in a short time after that. You know. Yeah. And um, I actually went out one Christmas delivering presents with her in her little van she had to some poor families. And uh, I, I wrote a song about that. It's on the Christmas record. Nice. Nice. Well, and yeah. you, you also wrote, um, from what I uh, gather, right, you wrote Going Down to the River from sort of that... Mm-hmm. Experience of running into Stacy and and sort of that that feeling that you had of seeing her and her keeping that secret of you know uh, where you were at in life at that time, right? Well, yeah, but more so than that, I was just in search of God when I wrote that song. You know, I was in search of God. I didn't want to fall by the wayside and have God forget about me. You know, even though I was still addicted to drugs and alcohol, yeah, I knew that I I knew that I needed His help, and that's pretty much how that song came about, in in my opinion. You know, fantastic. Would Would you like yeah. to Would you like to play it for us? Absolutely. Thanks for asking. <laughs> This is the one that got my whole career started overseas there. It's oh, yeah. It's called going down, to, going down to the River. I'm going down to the river, going to wash my soul again. I've been running with the devil. And I know that he is not my friend I've been falling by the wayside Living in this world of sin I'm going down to the river Gonna wash my soul again Going out to the country Gonna bury my head in a creek I'm gonna jump in that water And baptize both of my feet 
Cause everywhere I've been walking I've been getting in trouble baby. I'm going down to the river Gonna wash my soul again Well, this old world's going to hell in a, a handbasket If I don't get me some restoration soon Gonna end up in a casket Whoa, going down to the river Gonna wash my soul again I've been running with the devil And I know that he's not my friend I've been falling by the wayside Living in this world of sin I'm going down to the river Gonna wash my soul again I'm going down to the river Gonna wash my soul again I'm going down to the river Wash my soul again All right. That was awesome. That was fantastic. Thank you very much. You know, I've heard it. I've heard it so many times listening uh, to, and it, it gets better every time. It gets better every time. I, I ran into a girl busking on Second Avenue, Nashville, one sunny afternoon, and this woman was passing me across the street on the other side. Mm-hmm. But she kept she kept staring at me as she was walking past me, and eventually she decided she was going to walk up across the street and walk up to me. Yeah. She looked. She looked at me and she says, "Are you Doug Seegers? <laughs> she's from Belgium. She's from Belgium." She. I said, "Yeah, I am." She says, "You know they're playing your song in Belgium, where I'm from." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "You're kidding me." <laughs> add it. Add it to another European country. There. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It keeps yeah. spreading. Uh, well, well, speaking of that. Uh, that's like you said that's where you got uh your start with that song and really it came from uh jill johnson uh who's from from sweden and she came to america in 2013 to film a a documentary on country music and she wanted to sort of show all sides of country music and how you know uh, every there was so much talent in in the nashville scene and she asked stacy if she could come film uh, at the little pantry that could, and Stacy asked you if you wanted to to perform for him, and it seemed like you were a, a little bit hesitant. Uh, I was, uh, I was hesitant. What yeah. what made you what made you change your mind, Stacy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I was in kind of a depressed. I was going through some depression at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, me. Me and my, my drug addicted girlfriend was splitting up. And, yeah, and uh, and I was just really da- I was down, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and when Stacy Stacy came up to me and she said, "I got some folks coming over that would like to meet you," and I said, "Stacy, I don't want to meet anybody right now. I'm not feeling really good." Yeah. 
So, but she stayed with it, and she said to me, you know, I think you should go out there, Doug. And I love her, so I did it for her. Yeah. I did it for her. Yeah, so it turned out. There. It turned out good. Turned out real good. <laughs> uh, yeah, it did. Did it you really have did. any idea that you know that was going to lead to where it did? I mean, after you performed for them, did you say, "Oh man, they seem sort of serious well, for, about this"? Like you know. Well, first of all, I didn't know who I was talking to. I didn't know that Jill Johnson had uh, 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 recognition and success like as big as Dolly Parton over in Sweden, you know? Yeah. She's like, she's the major famous person over there. And yeah. She's gorgeous and talented. And so she's been on top for a lot of years and I had no idea, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought it, I just thought it was some kind people that wanted to spend a little time interviewing me. Yeah. And I wasn't even I wasn't even sure what they were up to, but I figured, okay, I'll go for it. Stacey wants me to talk to these folks. So I'm going to do it. Nice. Well, I, I actually noticed yeah. before uh, Jill Johnson uh, interviewed you for that. I noticed there was a, a there was a video of you uploaded actually in 2012 uh aaron esp he he loaded a video on youtube of you playing yeah 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 i had some stuff going on before i met jill i had some stuff going on yeah i was, I was very content you know i mean i was still just a street singer but i would go out playing on the street you know uh, whenever it was nice downtown nashville and I'd always have people coming up to me, you know, wanting to, talking to me about, well, hey, you should be doing something. You should go to Memphis with this song or, or you know, you should, you know, they'd all be saying you should be doing something. Yeah. So I was kind of, in, I had some really nice inspiration going on before I met Jill, you know. Yeah, well, I noticed, you know, he, he put in the caption, his caption was, people don't understand, you, you can't teach what he's doing, you just have it or you don't, that vibe. His haunting voice, mm. the way it makes you feel something. I hope I can find him again. I hope people watch this vi uh, video. Uh, yeah. Do Do you remember when he came up to you, and and have you ever seen him again after uh, after he came up? <laughs> he was a waiter in the restaurant that I was sitting outside of. Mm -hmm. Nice. And he came out, and he came out one day, and he said. Uh, I'd really love to film you and, you know, get you some exposure. I think you're amazing. And I yeah. said, well, great. I said, when do you want to do that? He says, well, I'm off this Saturday. Can we do it then? And I said, sure. So right. he was very kind to me and really just kind of put in a little time trying to trying to push my career just as a friend, as someone that really was excited about what I was doing, you know. I wonder if he's noticed uh, your career path since then. Yeah, he has because we've we've texted back and forth oh, a little there we bit. Go. But that was, well, that was the first couple of years. I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, but, uh, he's actually he moved out of town. I think he's somewhere in Ohio or something like that. All right, all right. Well, yeah, uh, but he was a wonderful guy for doing that, though. Really, a real kind man. Really, a real nice person. Well, it takes it it it, uh, it takes a unique person to to hear keep their ear on the street. To hear music yeah. from any source and be, uh, you know, be moved by and I, it. And I think that's one of Jill Johnson's biggest gifts too, is that she goes out. She, Jill, loves to come to Nashville because she knows that there's a lot of good talent here, you know, and yeah. she enjoys it and she she loves coming here. She's filming a, a, another show right now as we speak right here in Nashville. Wow, wow. Well, yeah. so you've uh, you've been sober now for several years. 
Um, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> and and as I was getting ready yeah. to say, it seems like you're much happier and uh, much more at peace uh, uh, because of it. Well, you know what I'm much more of? I'm much more verbal now. I couldn't talk to people when I was an addict. Mm. Well, that's yeah, that's I, obviously so a big I, positive. I, yeah, seven years ago, it was like I was born again as far as learning how to actually look at people in, in the eye and, and, and actually talk, you know. I mean, I wasn't doing any of that for years and years, you know. Well, so, yeah, it, it feels good. It feels very good to, to actually join the social world. <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, that content, the happiness uh, where I see it, in that the song, Where That River Flows, you you seem yeah. you seem very you know content in that song, and I found it interesting Absolutely. because you use the same imagery, you know your your first song going down to the river, and and mm. and this this song again where the river flows, uh, using that same imagery of the river, but it, it's like the river is heavenly, it's salvation almost cleansing cleansing yeah. yeah. Uh, purifying I, I, I'm yeah. guessing you did uh, you meant to put that uh, in in the song as far as that imagery as far as those two sort of uh, the the way they're juxtaposed those two songs well I've just really always felt strong about water in general you know when mm-hmm. I'm sitting in the bath when I'm sitting in the bathtub I'm, a, I'm not a shower guy I'm a bathtub guy <laughs> And when I'm sitting in the bathtub, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm just loving the fact that God gave us this beautiful, this this beautiful thing called water, yeah. H2O. You know, it's just his, his one of his greatest gifts. And, uh, you know, people really need to feel healing. Water is, is healing. It really is. Definitely. Definitely. Well, would you like to play uh, Where That River Flows for us? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you for asking. Yeah. There's a sunset on that stream That magic hour on that water's like a dream And no man rowing his boat Is a picture from a magazine Where that river flows Where that river flows I know that's where you'll be With a pretty rainbow In the midst of a willow tree Down by that waterfall I can hear you calling my spirit tenderly Where that river flows
Yes, and sometimes I lay back and I wonder if that's heaven calling me home. Cause I healed my head submerged in that old river. I quench my thirst and relieve my weary bone. I quench my thirst and relieve my weary bone. Where that river flows. When that river flows Where my ashes gonna go Right. Fantastic. Fantastic again. You like that one? That, I love that you one. You like that one? Oh, thank you so much. That song, that song actually means a whole lot to me, you know? The, now, that hasn't because, been released yet, right? No, it hasn't been released, but the song, that song, just I think, um, you know, I was driving home one sunny afternoon, and I was just, I had just bought my house in the country, and I'm I love in my neighborhood, you know, yeah. the drive home is beautiful, mm-hmm. and I have all these little streams that I pass that run alongside the road, and that's pretty much what, when I got home, I just sat down and I said, you know, I gotta write a song about how I love my neighborhood <laughs> so much. <laughs> well, it's actually, is it's funny, because I heard you, you bring that up in, a, in another interview, and after hearing the way that you described what inspired you, it, it's very... It's very easy to see in the song. I can see it perfectly yeah. in my mind when when you when you sing it as far as a relaxing stream sparkling yeah. in the sun and just it's I want I want people to feel water when they hear that song. I want people to feel water, you know. Yeah. That's that's what I was trying to capture. It's great. It's great. Um, thank you. Uh, I saw so I saw back in March um, you performed at the Nashville Songwriters Festival. And uh, you were on stage with Jim Lauderdale, uh, Clint Daniels, and uh, Travis Meadows. And I, right, I, right. I know you're a big, uh, I know you're a big fan of Jim, and he's a big fan of yours. Um, right, but right. but I was also interested. Was that the first time you uh, uh, you met Travis Meadows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like you guys, two guys combined, have lived enough life for like forty people. Yes. I, I, I've never heard two people's stories that I was so blown away by that I was just like, man, they have done and experienced so much, so much. Uh, and, I, and I think, you know, both of you guys, uh, you, it's like you said, you know, your music is, is therapy, and, and he's, he's definitely said that about his music. And, and I think that's, right. that's what shows through in both of your 
your songs is is you can feel it you can really feel thank you that that therapeutic message in both of them and and I, I when I saw you guys all there Jim and 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 Clint and Travis and you I was like man can't believe I missed that that would have been fantastic to see um, yeah yeah it was a fun fun night uh, now speaking of inspirations you're a huge fan huge fan of uh, Graham Parsons like you mentioned before. And just a couple days back, you got to play the Graham Parsons uh, Festival. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jim Lardell was down there, too, so that was nice. How, how, how did the whole experience go? Great. It went wonderful. I played with a, with a, with a, a fairly new band. You know, I mean, one of the guys that I've been playing with for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And but I re I reunited with my pedal steel player from Austin, Texas, oh, just a wow. few months ago. I know it was amazing. We actually went to the city winery to hear a Buddy Miller show, mm-hmm. and Julie was out that night too. So it was kind of a cosmic evening. <laughs> so I'm I'm sitting there listening to Buddy, and uh, all of a sudden this girl across the table, uh, just a couple of tables down from me, she yells out, "Duke, how you doing?" And I walked <laughs> up to her and I said. And I, I was trying to place who it was because I hadn't seen her for years, but it was uh, it was my old steel player's ex-wife who was sitting there just across the way from me. So she says, uh, she says Josh is here too. You ought to go say hello to him. I said, you're kidding me. So I went over and talked to Josh Dubin, who was my, uh, my old and current steel player now. <laughs> you... You, do you, so we ch- we chatted we chatted for about ten minutes because I hadn't seen him in forty years. Yeah. And a- after about ten minutes, I said, "So, Josh, would is there any chance you'd be interested in doing some work with me here in the near future?" He says, "I'd love to." And the like, and the magic started happening. You know, once again, forty years later. <laughs> Very nice. Very. Do you still yeah, look yeah. up when you hear Duke? Do you still? I mean, well, when, I feel like that take a couple well, times. Well, you, no, you know what's funny is when I go back to Long Island or New York or anywhere down there, yeah. you know, they all call me. They all call me Duke, but now that they've seen they also have been watching the internet and all the shows that yeah. I've been doing doing overseas, so they're trying to start calling me Doug down on Long Island and I and I have to stop them and I tell them, you know, don't do that. Don't do that. You that's what you know me as Duke. Don't change that, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> I got two two different two different names. I'm Duke in New York and I'm Doug Seegers in uh, Sweden and Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of that you're getting ready to go uh embark on another uh, uh European tour here. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. We're going to Germany and, and uh, places like that next, Netherlands and stuff. Places that we uh, haven't been enough uh, yet. Actually, we did a show in in Berlin, Germany, uh, just, uh, I think it was the very beginning of this year with uh, Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, wow. And that was... And that was awesome. That was really awesome. Because you know what? He's, uh, of course, you know how famous Kiefer yeah. is. But he's also but he's also just wanting to be a regular guy with a regular country band, too, you know. And he's and he's actually pulling it off. He's mm. got a great band. Well, and it was really a, ple- a pleasure doing a show with him. Well, I'm I'm hoping that very soon we'll get to see some uh, we'll get to see some Doug Seegers or, or Duke or whoever you want to call yourself down here in Florida. <laughs> 
They nicknamed me the Cinderella Man in Sweden. So there's another There one. you go. I was about to say, we'll take the Cinderella Man, too, here in Florida. There whichever you go. one. Yeah, I like that. I like that one. <laughs> you you can you can schedule it uh, as most people do. Schedule it in uh, in December or January. You'll get uh, you'll get the warm weather effect of Florida. So it'll be yeah, it, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I've been down there. I, I've been down there in December before. We did a cruise ship there. It was fun. Yeah, nice weather. It's always in winter time. It's always we get the snowbirds. It's always good in in, uh, in winter. But uh, Doug, uh, we are up against a break, man. But I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. Yes, I I appreciate the invite and thank you very much too. God bless you, sir. Yes. Well, listeners, the book "Going Down the River" is out now. The album "A Story I Got to Tell" is also out now. His website is dougseegersmusic.com. You can check out everything there. You can see his upcoming shows. You can see his uh, his. Uh, his albums and his book and you can follow him on instagram at doug seegers music we will be right back here on the doc g show this is 95.5 spinnaker radio wsklpfm unf jacksonville and we are back here on the doc g show our hats go off to doug seegers man what a crazy story, Justin. What yeah. an interesting dude. So Insane, true. Insane, man. I mean, just uh, traveling the the world, going to going to Austin first, and then going to Nashville, and looking like everything was just on the the downslope. I mean, homeless and addicted, and just like nothing going on. And then, boom, Jill Johnson walks in. And he's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm a superstar in Sweden." What? That's right. That's crazy, man. I've I've been hoping Mozambique was gonna push us to that tier. You know, we were just gonna <laughs> we were just gonna become sensations in Mozambique, and oh. they were gonna be like, we need the Doc G show twenty four seven in Mozambique. So far, hasn't panned out for us. Nope. So far, not not to the extent of Doug Seegers, but. Nonetheless, those songs were amazing, man. In yes! in studio, they sounded so good, man. And can you believe that? That's just him, just him and a guitar, and he sounds that good. No, no production tricks, no, no modulations of any sort. Just a man All and natural. his guitar. Yeah. All natural. That's that's what you get when you've been playing on the streets for forty years, busking, as they say in the biz, busking. Anyways, thank you, Doug Seegers. Justin, are you ready? Last birthday suit. Let's do it, man. Three for three. All right. Uh, Born on October 16, 1962 in Melbourne, Australia, with the birth name Michael Petal... Peter, Michael Peter Balzari. Word. Michael Peter wow. Balzari. His family moved to Los Angeles when he was fairly young, and he became fascinated with the trumpet. In fact, he loved all jazz musicians. He went to the uh, went to Fairfax High School and met Anthony Kiedis. He then met Hillel Slovaks, who convinced him to start playing bass instead of trumpet. Then along with Anthony, 
Hillel and the drummer Jack Irons, they formed the band Tony Flow and the Miraculously Majestic Masters of Mayhem. It's a really, really long name there. In 1984, they changed their name, streamlined it to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Hmm. The band has gone on to release 11 studio albums, sold millions of those albums, and won five Grammys. Name, that, birthday, suit, wearer. Wait, so you already... You said... Did did you already mention the, the... Anthony Kiedis? Is that what you said? I mentioned Anthony Kiedis, and I mentioned Hillel Slovaks, who was the guitarist to start off with, and I mentioned the drummer at the start, who was Jack Irons. Who have I not mentioned? Oh. You didn't mention... Is it Flea? It is Flea. Yes, indeed. That's why Flea did not use his real name, Michael Peter Balzari. Michael, Michael Peter Balzari. And you said he was born in Australia. What did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Born in Melbourne. What? He became a citizen uh, later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. Came a U.S. Sick. citizen later in life. Didn't know that. Didn't know that about uh, uh, about Flea. It's crazy. And he, he got his nickname because as a youngster, he uh, couldn't stop moving around. He just would jump around all over the place. So his f- family called him Flea, and it stuck. <laughs> That's awesome. He was Mikey B. the Flea. That was him. Mikey B. Mikey the Flea. Mikey B. the Flea. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite bands, definitely for sure. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, awesome, awesome band right there. They replaced Hillel Slovaks, who died later in the 80s. Uh, they replaced him with John Frashani. Uh and then Chad Smith on drums. That was who they replaced with. That was the standard lineup for Blood Sugar Sex Magic and Californication. They're two, in my opinion, best albums. But it's always up for debate. Whatever people want to do. Favorite song, Under the Bridge. <laughs> song rocks. Awesome jam. Nonetheless, Flea, who is an amazing artist, uh, went back to school to get his master's in jazz trumpet. So true. Uh, after no he, yeah, after he'd been, you know, famous for a long time in the 2000s, he a went true back. Musician, man. Yeah, he is. He's an amazing, amazing. You can't talk to basically. You can't talk to a bassist nowadays that will not say he's one of the best bassists in the world. Like he is crazy talented. Anyways, happy birthday, Flea. Live it up. Turning the big. Five, seven? What? Yeah. 57? Wow. No. No, wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, count what? it. Yeah, 57. 57. I can do math. 57. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> 62, man. 62. That's nuts. Didn't know. Didn't know Flea was that high up there. Anyways. Anyways, Justin, this is where I He's such a you. young spirit. That's why. He is. He lives it up, man. He loves it. He's jumping around. He's partying all the time. Justin, we have so many good shows coming up. We've got the Shook Twins coming up. We've got a special episode of Live from the Doc G Studio with Lonely Highway. I can't wait for these guys to come in. Let go, they're gonna They're going to rock out. All of them are going to be here. We're going to have them acoustically mic'd up. It's going to just be... I'm going to put the video of all the songs on the website. It's going to be crazy, man. 
It's uh, I'm very excited about it. We also have other you need to be fantastic guests. Uh, Blackstone Cherry. Um, we've got the fantastic Negrito, fantastic uh, artist there. He's won a Grammy. He's coming on the show. Yes! We've got Jordan Davis, who is an all-star of country music right now, killing the game. I can't believe it, Justin. It's going to be some crazy, crazy good shows. It's, it's it's more to come. Always more to come. It's just insane. Insane. But until next it, time, man. I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, Justin Virgin Bat Evangelista. Always good to be here, man. Always good to be here. You, you stop by and your busy schedule, and we appreciate it, Justin. We appreciate it. The <laughs> listeners appreciate it as well. And I do it for you. If, thank you. Thank you. And until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah. <laughs>